This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Welcome to Chapter Tactics, a 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob. My name is actually Pablo. I work for Frontline Gaming. And welcome to the first episode in a series of episodes where we talk about the specific aspects and phases of 40k games and go into them in depth to improve your game and make you your tournament experience a little better. So for today's episode... I brought with me three very intelligent 40k players, Mr. Sean Abuse Puppy, who is a regular co-host. Hello, everyone. Mr. Steve Pamprin, uh, who has been on an episode before, but it's actually a ghost episode and no longer exists. Ooh. How you guys doing? And I'm just going to call her the Lady of Titan, because I thought that title was very cool. Miss Shaylin. Hi. I'm secretly so- famous. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I brought each of these je- these fine folks on is because I wanted to talk to real tournament 40k players um, and to get their insights into these specific topics. Uh, so before we do this, I'd just like to make some quick announcements. Uh, this is something that's going to be running for the next couple of weeks. Uh, there's six phases, I think total is going to be six episodes. So each episode is chapter tactics. You guys have something to look forward to. Next week is going to be the movement phase uh, with some people from Relentless D, which is my team. And we'll also talk a little bit about ITC teams and 40k teams then too. I think that may be kind of fun. Uh, But this is basically going to be an episode series to introduce you guys to tournament plays if you're new, or if you're really looking to up your game and you want to focus on specific aspects, you can always just listen to one of these episodes, go back to it in the future, and re-listen to it if you feel like you need to learn more, or show your buddies, maybe if your buddy's having a hard time with the assault phase, they don't understand certain things, certain mechanics these would be the episodes to listen to. So these are going to be evergreen episodes and great for listening. All right, yeah. so today's topic. We're going to be talking about list building. Specifically, we're going to be talking about the bread and butter lists of all 40k tournaments, which is take all comers lists. Oh, I uh, thought you were uh, going to say Imperial Knights, but... Uh... <laughs> just just for now. Remember, this, right. is, <laughs> this is September 2018. Uh, for those of you listening in the future, this is the era of the Knight Castellan. But, but let's not forget that Imperial Knights have had several other eras where they were pretty big swingers. But that's, that's a whole true. other subject. Yeah. Uh, so... The <laughs> we're not gonna build. We're not gonna talk about building night lists. We're gonna talk about building a take all oh. comer list. <laughs> so oh, yeah. a take all a, a take all comers list for those of you who might not know is a, or TAC as it's very commonly referred to online T A A C all in all caps. 
is a list designed what, to what's the quite simply a from take all comers take all all take army all, comers. all okay yeah yeah, right. yeah two a's little, i typed in two a's inflation back here <laughs> i was wondering i was like where's the, what's this coming from i don't question the grammar of other people sean I do. That's why I'm on the podcast is to question everything Pablo says. It's true. That's why he's on. He's he's, he's the contrarian to my wrongian. Always I would wrong-ian. say I would say more optimistian. Uh, okay, perhaps. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, we're getting a little off topic here. A take all comers list is a list designed to quite simply take all comers or take. Uh, any list in 40k, ideally in 40k period, and playing it and having a good shot at beating it. Uh, so you don't do this by simply spamming one type of unit or or uh, one type of thing. A take all comers list is specifically designed uh, with with thought and process and uh, competitiveness in mind. Um, so if you're look if you come here looking for to build like a, a more fun or more narrative list or a list designed for a team tournament. Uh, unfortunately, this is the wrong episode for you. Uh, though I, there's going to be a, a lot of really solid list building tactics and tips in this episode already. Yeah, uh, some of we'll some of the same same ideas will apply. I, I may, yeah, I may, I may have to take Sean's uh, mantle from him and disagree with you a bit. Oh. Um, the only reason I would say is that I think that there's but on each team that is kind of takes the role of the take all comers list. Um, I played Nurgle for ETC, and that was kind of my job, is to be a wet blanket to whatever team, whatever armies I played. So regardless mm-hmm. of what they would put against me, the idea is I could get some points, which is a little bit right. different for take all comers, but it means that you have to be prepared for a lot of things. So if you are making a team, it's definitely good to have one person on the team who can just get some points and take all comers list as a way to do that. Mm-hmm. It- yeah, that's actually a perfect segue into the first part of uh, Take All Comers list, which is identifying different kinds of Take All Comers lists. Uh, so uh, well, ideally, the the um, kind of the, the more generic, you know, list that comes to mind when you get a Take All Comers list is the simple, balanced. Uh, I've got I've got some psychers, I've got some assault, I've got good shooting, um, I've got some mobility. You oh, need oh, anti psyker more than you need psyker or or anti. Uh, the the point is is that uh, the, some the, the typical out there. Come on. <laughs> the, the typical idea of a take all comers list is is that it it maximizes its ability to to interact in all the phases of the game that it can is essentially is essentially a, a balanced list, right? So that's the that's kind of like the generic quick thought example of what a take all comers list is and Shailen was actually talking about this before the podcast so I'll, I'll let her take the reins with it but there's actually another other types of lists as well uh, yeah the, specifically the list I wind up playing as a Grey Knight player is the list that is unbalanced and maybe is mostly take all comers but has weaknesses that you can compensate for via either the mission or the fact you'll know the terrain will be a certain way which will enable, like, my army can't withstand attrition, but if I have line sight blocking terrain, I'm okay. Right. I would, I would definitely say that if you're, if you're talking, like, what is a take-all-comers list, you need to know what isn't a take-all-comers list. So, if a take-all-comers list is designed to beat everything, it, it has okay matchups against every army in the field, 
Um, the opposite of a take-all-comers list is what you might call an extreme or unbalanced list uh, that is designed to do one thing so well that it doesn't matter what the enemy's army is. Uh, and that is a gamble, because there is definitely a chance that they can stop whatever your gimmick or your special strategy is and just sort of break your list in half. And that's the danger of playing a list like that. Um, a take-all-comers list tries to avoid that just by not having any one thing that you can stop. So it's like, yeah, you may be able to stop my shooting, but I'll still have melee. You can stop my psychic, but I'll still have board control. Uh, it, it plays in enough phases and in enough ways that it can't just be shut down by breaking one of its gimmicks. Right. And... And, and the, the, uh, Sean brings up a really great point, something we'll address more in the latter half of the episode, uh, and that's uh, if your meta is – if all the comers that, that you're, you're taking on are all one specific list and that's your meta, by all means build the list that counters them. If, you, if, you're, if all the comers are knight players, for example, then you know, don't, don't bring your anti-horde stuff. Don't bring a bunch of strength four shots. Bring your heavy you – know, bring, bring the guns like you're uh, hunting for bear. Um, yeah, and you know, don't and, take all comers means take all the lists you are likely to see in the meta. It does not literally mean that you are building to beat every single list on earth because you know this may come f. Well, yes, yeah. and if you if you build a list today and are sitting there pondering like, ooh man, I don't know if I have a good tool for how to beat the you know orc mega knobs army, you're wasting your time. You're not going to see that army, so you're always building to beat what's out there and what is winning and what is played in the field, even in a table list. I've got twenty mega in the painting shop right now. Oh no, I forgot but, Steve was precognizant. <laughs> but um uh but the rule of three kicks really... him in the butt. Oh no, you can but take him in big squads. 30 mega knobs in an army. Yeah. That's a lot of knobs. That's um, also like your entire army right there. But I, I think that's an unbalanced important. list. <laughs> yes. Uh and I think also taking all covers, I think kind of coming at it a little backwards talking about um the actions the army takes. I think if you're talking about take all comers, there really is no such thing as a take all comers list. Like you said, you're not going to be able to take on everything in the world. So the first thing you have to do is figure out, like you said, what armies that you're going to face. For me, I was mm -hmm. going to go to the Siege World Tournament, and uh, it was about a week after coming back from Europe, and uh, I knew two of the people that were going to be, you know, that either won it before or were likely to win it this year, and they were bringing knights. Blood Angels, and Imperial Guard. And I couldn't figure out how to beat that list. I was like, I, I don't think there's a really reliable way out there to counter that. Um, and so I didn't go to the tournament as well because I were out of vacation. <laughs> um, and I think that it's really important to think that a Take All Comers list is actually really bad for the meta. Uh, there was basically nothing that can reliably beat that army. It finished top three at Siege World and top three at Nova for a reason. Uh, so uh, and for all of you watching this later, hopefully there's been an FAQ that has fixed that army, but for right now it is pretty much unstoppable uh, outside of significantly outplaying your opponent and having the specific models you need to beat it and probably going first. Uh, so so, uh, um, so I'm actually glad you brought that up, Steve, um, because now I get the opportunity to disagree with you. Uh, and that's okay. 
on the idea of a take all comers list. So, so as Steve said, uh, raw or or rules as interpreted, uh, or rules as written or whatever, uh, a take all comers list. Written, yeah, not interpreted. That's a very big <laughs> debate on the internet, Pablo. You need to get <laughs> right. that one right. Let's 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 so, not get into that here. Yeah. So Steve, <laughs> so Steve is is interpreting tack as raw or or taking it at its face value. Take all comers. Then and that's that's true. In a vacuum, a take all comers list is bad. For a meta, although you could argue that if every list was a take all comers list, you know, if every faction was a take all comers list, that would be amazing. But that's that's a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. So I agree. A take all comers list is bad for the meta, especially a list that can beat all the other lists. Now, however, I've never thought of a take all comers list as a list that can beat any list. I've always thought as a take all comers list, and this is how I design all my lists going to every tournament I play and pretty much every game I play uh, as well, not just 40k. Uh, to me, a take-all-comers list is a list that gives you an opportunity or a chance to beat every single list you match up against. So uh, you hear this a lot online. It's a very cliche term. It's a, I lost the game before the dice rolled or before the, the game even began, right? I lost the game at the list-building phase. You hear that a lot. When people say that, they're what they're telling you is that they lost because they didn't design a list that could win in the scenario in hand. And I understand that there are some lists that feel flat and impossible. Like, a, for example, Five Knights. Five Knights, for a lot of players, especially in 7th edition with Adlance, Five Knights w- were unbeatable. Were just, you just flat out, you, your army just couldn't deal with them. And there, I admit, there are some factions that have a harder time dealing with Knights, a la Tyranids. Uh, Tyranids ha- are directly falling under the wayside because of the rise of Knights here in September in 2018. But... Tyranid players also have answers for knights, and now Tyranid players have to start building lists to counter knights in September in 2018. And I would say that Tyranids are now building more take-all-comers lists, or take-all-comer-friendly lists, right? So so uh, to go back to what Steve said, you I, I agree that you should never be trying to actively find the list, because I, I don't think you're going to find it, and if, if you do find it, you're not the first person to find it. Because the internet is vast and there are tons of brilliant minds working on these 40k lists. But you should always be focusing to build a list that you can always feel confident beating any single person at any given day. Might not always be perfect. You're going to have strengths and weaknesses. But that, to me, that's what the idea of a take-all-comers list is. And that's the, the list I, that I kind of want to focus on for this podcast. Yeah, the the goal is to have a reasonable matchup percentage. This is kind of falling into some other games or in sports and whatnot um, that are tend to be a little bit more, uh, let's say, statistically deep. Um, but you know, if you're you have your your matchups where you're getting consistently like a fifty, your matchups where you're getting consistently like a fifty, fifty-five, six to take all comers list wants to be, as opposed to I have seventy percent against these four lists and twenty percent against the other lists. Um, and there's nothing should... wrong with building that unbalanced list, but you have to think about what kind of matchups you're willing to accept. Um, are you okay with taking just sort of like, well, if I play the 300 model orc horde, I lose. I don't have a chance against that. Um, and whether or not you're willing to accept that is going to determine what kind of army you build. Um, if so we're you should not go for take all covers. It's, you know, you should change it to talc 
take all likely comers. You have to look at who you're Ooh. Yeah. Calculus. There we go. Yes, that's take all likely comers. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So <laughs> Steve makes a very good point that you're right. Again, you play you you play you play build to beat the armies that are played. If the list basically doesn't exist in the meta, you know there is no Primaris list in the meta right now. Right. So there's so, no point in building to beat Primaris. They don't exist. All right. So semantics aside, talc tack. Uh, let's go ahead and go back to uh, what Steve was talking about a little bit earlier. What he alluded to, which I actually thought was brilliant, and that was the idea of a talc list or or a tack list that scores low points. And and can pretty much universally do one thing really well and at least score some points. And there's actually a list in the meta right now, um, and it's actually very common. It's been very common for the past couple of years and it's had different variations. Uh, but I'll let Steve talk about it a little bit further. That's specifically the Big Bodies Nurgle list that, that Steve ran at ETC. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, its job is it's, you're not going to get rid of it one turn. It's not going to do much to you. But if you don't have the damage output, so uh, Steve, get rid of it. Yep. My own. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you broke out a little. Is that better? Yes. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the idea is at least. So when I go to making a, a list, I, I mean, when I was going through how to go through the demon codex, right? Um, I guess. This isn't maybe exactly building a take all comers list, but list building. I got out a calculator and built an Excel sheet and basically found out what was the best uh, durability per point in the Demon Codex to strength four, strength three, strength eight, and strength seven, two damage, like common profiles. Hmm. And Nurgle Plague Bears are that by a country mile over everything else, even over other Nurgle stuff. Um, Yeah. they're super tough. That, or if it was with, uh, you know, with drones. I and when the Codex originally came out, drones didn't get the Nurgle buffs of the characters, so there was no point in looking at them. Um, and I think that's, I mean, the Orc Codex is coming out in, hopefully, hopefully before SoCal opens so I can run it there. And I think that any player who's opening a new Codex should look at it the same way. What's the durability that I'm going to have per point against, you know, a couple different profiles and then what's going to be the offensive as well um, that's the problem with the work index right now is a work boy is more durable to bolter fire than a mega knob it's kind of sad so i think that when you're looking at a take all comers list versus a extreme list i think just looking at you know what does what's the am i going for durability am i going for offensive output those are the two kind of things and you need to mm-hmm. balance those if you want so whether your army works in psychic or movement or shooting or assault, I don't think that's important to building a take all scummer list at all. I think that's extremely unimportant. What's important is that you balance your offense and your defense, and you look at what the what the likely armies that you're going to play. You know, if you're building a Dunthood offense to kill guards, base marines are popular, and vice versa, then your take all comers list is, is useless. So, I don't know, I, I think that yeah. it's important that you're looking at it mathematically um, rather than per phase. I just kind of, that's how I look uh, at it. Yeah, and that, that's a good point. Uh, I think I think there's probably there's probably a, a fine middle ground there, um, because I do agree that no you problem. should look no at it. No middle ground, <laughs> just math. <No. laughs> 
<laughs> um, anyways, uh, so so there, I, I think there is there is a fine middle ground there. Um, the what I wanted to go into specifics that for people to look back into, uh, going back to defensive versus offensive. Steve was talking about making his list really defensive for ETC. There's actually a specific style of talc or tack list. Uh, that you see often, and um, I'll just give you guys a quick example. I've mentioned it on this podcast a couple times already during tournament coverage, but it's that that Nurgle Death Guard kind of like like high body count, high def- defense list. And those lists perform really well. They usually go four and one, five and zero, oh, six and zero oh at at a lot of GTs, um, but they don't score a lot of points. They score they score very very little points because they're so defensive. Uh, and so those those lists focus very specifically on on not interacting with your opponent, but quite the opposite, non interacting with your opponent. Um, you know, kind of you playing your own game, playing the board, playing the field, and not necessarily playing your opponent's army, which is a universal tactic that any anyone can use, right? Yeah. You, what what you kind of have there is really it's less about defense or offense and more in terms of when you're putting a list together you have to look at a number of factors um and board control is a huge one uh a list like steve's uh, or the one like what pablo's talking about is all about controlling the board it's not that it doesn't want to kill things or score points it's that that's not the most important thing because that's not how you win the game um and that's certainly one way to approach things, but firepower also wins games. You, it's very easy to control the objectives if your opponent has no models left. Um, so you do have to look at the balance of offense, movement, board control, resilience, uh, factors like this that are all going to play into what your army can do. And different codices are going to have different balances. If you try and play a very uh, resilient, attrition-minded Eldar army, you're going to lose, because Eldar can't do that. Uh, And likewise, if you build a Nurgle army that is all about high AP shooting, it's going to be terrible, because Nurgle just doesn't have that much high AP shooting. Um, So you need to build to the strengths of your codex, but you also need to look at what sort of things you do on the field that are winning you the game. And the other thing I would put in here really quick is building lists to your personal play style. Yeah. Um, a, an example that uh, Matt Rutt and Nick Nadavati have pointed out is Nick Nadavati likes to do kind of a finesse reactionary list style and Matt Rutt wants to do an in-your-face uh, threat overload style. And those are two very different styles that have won them the ITC. So... That is also a consideration. Yeah, what you like to play and what you can do well is absolutely an important thing to consider. Yeah, I'm going to play it in Army. doesn't matter what. I played it in Green Tide in 7th. It didn't matter if it was good. (laughs) (laughs) You just always got to do what you like. I think it's... Yeah. And you are there to have fun, and it's more fun playing something that you enjoy. Okay, right, and... And it's also, I think this is something that gets overlooked a lot. You need to know what your goals are. Um, Shaylin, for example, plays Grey Knights. That's basically the only army she plays. She she brings other stuff alongside her Grey Knights, but she was always Grey Knights primary. She never plays anything else. I switch armies constantly. I rotate between Chaos, Tau, Eldar, Imperial, all kinds of different factions, because I don't 
really care what faction I'm playing. It's more about the armies and themselves. So it's hard mode, Shaylin. Well, kind of, but it's all about what your goals are. It's like if you yeah. want to do something, then you can put that constraint on yourself and say, well, okay, I want to do this. It's like, I want to play the best possible Grey Knight army I can play. And that's cool. Or you can say, I want to play the best pure Grey Knight army I can play. Well, and that's that's real hard mode right there. No uh, or you could, Yeah, or you could say, I want to play the best Imperial army I can play, or the best well, small model count army I can play. Or... You say that's hard mode, but that's team tournament as well. You don't sure. want it to play pure demons. 600 points of summoning? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's and, and that comes, you know, the format will obviously affect your yeah. list building choices a lot. Because what you can do in a team tournament is very, very different from what you can do in a, you know, uh, six-round Swiss or even like a, a paired team tournament where you and your opponent are both... Uh, bringing a thousand points and putting it on the table together. Um, different formats are going to have very different requirements. Okay. So to that point... Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I was thinking, if, so if you're looking at take-all comers, uh, your goal... Well, the goal of a take-all comer list is you're saying you want to do well at a turn, right? I mean, that's 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 the end goal here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're looking at... Uh, like, I think Marines is a, is a really great example of a codex that cannot build a take-all comers army. They build super shooty armies that do really well if they go first. And that's kind of the best army they can put together. Uh, I know Reese will say otherwise. I'm sure I'll hear about it. Yeah, but, I was going to say Reese is going to disagree real strongly there, but I but don't think he also wrong. has a Gulliman Scout Biker army, you know, Scout Bikes. Like, that is an alpha strength right there. Yeah, he, he has nine Scout Bikes. Like, let's not go crazy. I've, I've been that's playing Scout Bikes for a year. Shot, scout Bikes for a year. 70 shots that reroll hit and wounds? It, it's less than that. It's 60 rounds. Oh, I'm but, sorry, Pablo. <laughs> but but, but you're, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts there that, that you have to understand. And that's actually... So this what? is actually a really good... Uh, so, so excuse me, Steve. Um, let's go and turn this into a learning point because I think there's a good learning lesson here. Okay. Is that's actually a pitfall. There's actually a pitfall that a lot of people fall into when they're building their lists, and that's something I would caution anyone who's building a list to avoid, and that's the the I've got 160 guardsmen mentality, therefore I can shoot, you know, 160 times, you know, 640 lasgun shots at anything, right? And, that, and that's statistically, sure, probable, but but functionally that's almost impossible, right? Like, you're not going to have 160 guys within 12 inches of one model, that you need to kill every single game. That's just that's just not going to happen. And so, to Steve's point, yeah, nine scout bikes at maximum efficiency going first. They only move they only move sixteen inches, so so they have to be twenty eight inches away. So it means your opponent has to line up four inches, uh, you you know, four inches deep, or or basically on the line if you want to shoot anything relevant. And then you have to move the scout bikes up in a position so that they're all within twelve inches of the unit you want to shoot at, not including terrain, nothing else. Right, and then Gilliman also has to be within hits and within buffor, which is six inches, which isn't too bad, I admit. It's very easy to do, but there's also so many other moving parts there, right? You have to make sure that Gilman's buffing another unit if you desperately need to okay. kill something with your Devastators, for example. Okay, but uh, I don't think we're talking about list so, building so, anymore. So the point, we're arguing about using Gilliman, which is right, a right. So the point, the, the point here. So that was an example, but the point here is that when you're building your list, uh, it's easy to look at math. 
and go, I can win because math, or I can do X because because math, right? It's very easy to, to do that and to fall into that mindset. Uh, but when you're building your list, you really have to look at the kind of like the realities of, of, of a game and how things are going on, right? So you're, you're you know, uh, Eldar players, as far in, in my experience, Eldar players are always good for like one bad psychic phase, right? So it's just across the board, Eldar, every Eldar game I've seen, they're always good for like one bad psychic phase where they just like forget everything. Maybe an Eldar psychic blows himself up. It doesn't matter. Usually something bad happens in, in general. Um, and that this is kind of the reality of the situation. So to to Steve's point, um, uh, yes, Gout Bikers are good and Alpha Strikes are good. Uh, but yeah, that's right. Space Marines, they only have that. And that's unreliable at best. Not open. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, I'm agreeing with you. I think yeah. that's an unreliable, but I think it's the best thing they can do. It is the best. Sadly, Definitely what it's the best, best thing at. they can do yeah, right, and right now. And that's what I'm saying. So if you're building, you're not going to build a Take All Commerce list if you're Space Marines. But if right, yeah. Some, some codexes chance, can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If, you, if, you want, if you're trying to, to do the best at the tournament, I'd argue a lot of times you don't want to build a Take All Scumbers list. Like, Worm uh, Ravens at the beginning of the edition, right? It was not a Take All Covers list. That's a, I go first 67% of the time or whatever it is, and I just win. <laughs> you know, and sometimes that's the most reliable way if you want to get to the top. Well, yeah, a, a Take All Covers list is not necessarily the strongest overall list in a meta. Um, that may or may not be the case depending on what the rest of the meta is like. Yeah, um, I just if you're think talking about conflate the two. You're you're right. Yeah, it's not the most competitive. Or Though there are target audience isn't isn't has honor and sensibility, Steve, and they're not oh, going to go okay. out and buy Fair four enough. fire raptors, four fire raptors to win a tournament. I think. Um, I, 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 I'm Pablo, joking. <laughs> yeah, have you looked at our hobby? <laughs> I, I'm 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 half joking. Uh, didn't the point is, buy, is that like, eight Celestines, which he didn't have the independent keyboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. The, the point is, is that is that, uh, and this is this is actually where you guys listening, where you guys can decide which side of the hobby you're on. Because to be honest, neither one of us are wrong, right? Steve is 100 percent correct. There are already really good tack or or I guess uh, high Unbalanced. winning percentage yeah. lists. That that do that do work like the Castellan list, like the Storm Raven list, like the Malefic uh, Malefic Lord spam list. If you remember that a year See, ago, those or, are all or, just really good armies. Though. Those are all, well, those are all okay. Good yeah, those were all attack and really so, good. So so okay. the point the point is the point is guys <laughs> is the point is is that that you can go that route. You can go the route where you take those really powerful armies, uh, or you can go the route which a lot of people do, which there's nothing wrong with, with e- which even people like Nick Nanavati do, and that's the go into the, the army you want to run, the list you want to run, and and build the best list you can with what you got, which which people do too, and people actually succeed with. It's it's happened before. It, you know, It's always kind of like a, a weird little balance, back and forth balance. Like You've got the people who want to win their own way, like the the special snowflakes who want to win with their specific list idea that they thought of. And then you got the people who just, they want to win, they want to do well, and they'll run like the list, the net list, or the the best list, or the best unit. But and but neither of those viable. has anything to do with take all comers versus imbalanced. Yes. Like, yes. you can have a special unique snowflake list that is either a take all comers list or an imbalanced list. Uh, that is That is not specifically relevant to that because like the castellan list that we're seeing these days is absolutely a take all comers list it brings a wide variety of tools it can play in every phase of the game it's doing lots of different stuff 
but some of the other lists that you see around, like the Magnus Mortarian lists or some of the Eldar uh, Soulburst, you know, Yanari style lists are much less take all comers. They do one thing, they do it incredibly well, and if you can deal with what their one thing, they lose, but a lot of armies just can't. And I think that's something to point out, Tone, is there's, I don't know how to how to describe it necessarily, but there's take all comers, and it's sort of a uh, my army is really good if X happens. That makes sense. So, hmm. and that's sort of a like you said with the Magnus Mortarian, right? You know, uh, uh, just you know, he beat two of the of the list, right? You know, he he talking about Justin no, Curtis yeah. at Nova yeah, Open twenty eighteen. Yes, sorry, he beat yeah. beat two of those lists going into it. So clearly, that army is really good at killing that list. But there's a there's a condition to that, right? He has to make his you know he had to go first and he had to like make his warp time. I, I forget exactly what it was, but it it was two. Yeah like that and if those didn't happen then ganyo's like i don't understand what your army does it seems bad and just kills him <laughs> to, to be yeah. fair justin curse <laughs> did beat a lot of people to get to that point that's, and my, that's 100 my point you know he clearly right. that was a really good list to getting to that point but it yes. was yeah and but it, it, it was a it was a risky list though he just won the bet two or three times in a row and played really well obviously like it's right not, you know well and, he, and that is the game that... Of eight times? Like, that's... If, yeah, that, well, and that's the game tough. that an imbalanced list plays. It is absolutely a bet. And let's be yeah. honest here, all armies are a bet. I, you know, you're betting that you can do your thing, that the dice will go well enough in your direction. It's just some bets are riskier than others. Um, yeah. An imbalanced list certainly can win tournaments and at various points have um sometimes they are the top list they're the list to beat whether or not your list is imbalanced has nothing to do with whether or not your list is good yes um i would like to talk for a bit about like the moving parts because like we've been sort of painting some really really broad strokes here I'd like to get down a little bit more on the nitty-gritty and, and just sort of t talk about what kind of things you need to have in a list and what kind of moving parts and uh, functionalities that you you have in an army in order to make it work. Because uh, I think there are a lot of things that basically all successful armies have in common, and it's a lot of people may not see that because they, they're not necessarily obvious on the surface level. Right. Uh, that's a that's a really good point. Shailen, do you, do you want to kick that off? Yeah, no. Uh, th I'm autistic, and I'm very methodical about how I build lists. So I look at the list as a problem, and one of the things I do is I look at the constraints. What solutions is my list giving me? And uh, a solution you need to have is how are you addressing scoring? Because all missions yeah. have some sort of scoring component, so how do you address that? How do you address your damage output versus your durability? Because there's often a give and take there. Mm -hmm. um, how are you planning to get things where you need to go? So speed is actually a consideration board control. And then uh, what's driving your list? Like, where, where's the power at? You know, what phase particularly? Yeah, phase and or place. Like, uh, oh. a lot of lists are what I would call character driven. So they rely on characters mm. to do the work. Uh, which gives them some durability and some other things there. But it's like, okay, if my list hinges on these four characters, 
I need to protect them. How do your I fail do that? your failure points? Exactly. Yeah, where how does your list lose is just as important a thing to think about as how does your list win. Yeah. Um, oh. and, and then uh, another thing. Um, it's okay. Uh, another another thing. Um, when you want to build, when specifically when I'm building my list, I'm just gonna use my example because it's easier for me. Is I, I play a lot of Imperial Soup lists. I like Hero Hammer, but specifically I like Imperial Soup lists because of the flexibility they provide me. Like, so you're you know, a headlister. I I am uh, absolutely <laughs> an Imperial <laughs> Soup an Imperial Soup player. Not quite the same, but. It can feel like it sometimes, but um, uh, the the reason why I like Imperial Soup is because not only it gives me it doesn't give me a lot of options, but traditionally I like playing my games where I have an answer to everything, or I, I have an, a, the ability to answer to everything. No, that's impossible. I get it, but that's just how I like feel. I like to feel like I'm in control, like I always have uh, the ability to respond to my opponent in some way. I also like playing all over the board. I, if there's a part of the board that I can't interact with, I just I, I feel like I'm losing the game. Like I feel like that's, you know, I lose an option, I lose the ability to do something that I need to do, and that's just the way I play. So when I build my lists, uh, a lot of the times I, I will over-add things to to compensate for uh, a specific scenario that I need to, to overcome. Like, for example, um, my latest iteration of my Imperial Soup list has Scout Bikers. I've since taken them out, uh, but Scout Bikers are, as Steve said, they're really good. They're the best thing that Space Marines can do. However... In my list in particular, they they just didn't quite fit the idea that I wanted for my list, and they weren't durable like the rest of my list was. My list would like to hide and strike from the shadows, kind of like a weird like hit and run, take over the entire board list. The scout bikers can't deep strike, so they're almost always starting on the board and getting shot at and dying and not fulfilling the role. So uh, I guess my point here is that in the nitty gritty, when you're looking at your list, also think about things that you shouldn't put into your list. Think about synergies. If you have a really durable list, try not to put something that's not durable. Right? Something that dies all the time. Uh, or, right. I, I don't know about that, Pablo. I think you can mix in a lot of stuff. You just have to make sure that it's durable and not to different things. There, there, there's a balance. Well, yeah, I think so, Pablo yeah. makes a, a good point that Careful, Sean. It's important to know... <laughs> oh, I, see, I'm disagreeing with Steve here, so it's okay. Oh, okay, okay fair enough. Fair um, enough. <laughs> as long as I'm disagreeing with someone, it's allowed. To, I'm allowed to have an opinion. But no, I think... You're not allowed to disagree with me. Oh, I disagree Whoa. with you constantly. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that um, because I'm the one driving you to the next tournament. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> but the, the I think the important takeaway there is that um, it's not so much as what you shouldn't include in a list as it is what your list needs and what any given unit brings to the list. And that can be both positive and negative. Like Pablo points out, if you have one fragile element in a list that is otherwise very durable, that element is going to get killed every time. Um, well, especially because Imperium has no way of protecting things. Like Eldar have tons yeah. of awesome fragile units because they can just keep them off the board. Sure. And that all comes down to what your what your what you even is capable of, not only in just in its raw stat line and abilities, but also the stratagems and all the other stuff that it interacts with. 
Um, so but taking it's, into account the durability of rules as well as stats is definitely important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're only looking at what a unit does on its data sheet, you are not actually looking at what is important. Because, like, on its data sheet, the Smash Captain, he's good, but he's not really that scary. The scary part about him is stacking five strategies onto him and throwing him into something. Yeah. Um. So, so another universal thing um, when you're building a list um, that I think we can all agree on is, and, and it's something I see people do all the time. Um, I'm just going to throw this out really quickly, and it might seem duh to some people, but some people still don't get it. Is don't put all of your points into this like super points into this like super monster unit. And give it all the toys and all. Especially like if it's six hundred point Castellan. Uh, you know, the, yeah, the thing know, is, the, Castellan, so the point, so, so you guys didn't let me finish, um, especially <laughs> if it doesn't have a way to protect itself, which is where I was going to finish with that. Um, okay, but you, you want to protect your, your point investments. Um, and if you don't have the ability to protect your point investments, don't invest your points in them. Uh, that's, sure, it's, but it's that's that just simple. don't build bad lists. Like, that's not yeah, really you're advice. Right. You're right. It, it is uh, advice. If, if people were... <laughs> Like, like it, I said, it might it might seem kind of obvious to you guys because you guys are all seasoned tournament veterans, but I guarantee you, one person somewhere just put away their ten stern guard that they had loaded with combi meltas. Well, they're sure like, oh man, it's not they're... Reese. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. It's not not Reese. But I, 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 Reese I, bus, Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guarantee you, someone someone just because I was like that because I would I would load up like ten stern guard, give them give them a couple heavy heavy weapons. Multi meltas. You know, this is back in seventh when you could take a billion drop pods. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when this is when I first started playing. Uh, you know, load up drop pods with a bunch of stern guard, drop them in turn one, maybe kill something with their hellfire rounds. Definitely not shoot their combi weapons, and <laughs> then they would die, and I'd be like, oh, I'm down for five hundred points. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, that's uh, that's that's right. Like Sean said, don't don't build bad lists. Like, you have a plan if you're going to have the expensive unit. And I actually do really want to put together a 20 Meganob unit, which is like 800 points currently. I'm hoping Yeah. It's... But, but it has I think... something you can do. You know what I mean? Like, you have to have a plan with it. Right. Don't just drop your 10 stern guard and be like, well, I'm going to hit whatever they hit. Yeah. And, and if you have a, a unit like that, like Steve said, so this is more going getting into the take all comers list building. This is a style of list. If you have a list that, if you have a unit that you want to build your list around, go all in. Build your entire list around this unit. You know, like like the Castellan is a great example. The Castellan list um, mm-hmm. that you guys see a lot now. Uh, the Castellan does a lot of the heavy lifting, and then the rest of the list is designed to either a protect this Castellan from characters with your own Smash Captains, or b cover the board uh, that the Castellan can't cover with obsec bodies, and and then the Castellan just deals with everything else. I think so that, yeah about about what you mean by building a list around a unit, and I think that Shaylin can actually probably help here because Grey Knights have lots of things that all are supposed to work together but don't. Ooh. Yeah, about that. <laughs> well, so, uh, what, like when you're saying like build a list around a unit, right? Like Grey Knights, they have a couple like huge units that they could put together, right? But why don't they work? You can also build a list around a detachment, too. And this is... Go ahead, Shane. I just wanted to add that real quick. Um, well, actually, that's what I do, is I do build a list around a detachment. Um, and does it And uh, what... what And, like, units that don't work. And I actually, on the note of that, this is something that happened to me at the start of 8th edition, is I tried every unit in my codex and tried to make it work as planned, and they did not do that. 
which means that the which is how I identified that the units weren't working correctly and were bad. And that is also a valuable exercise. No, I can't. They're like, am I playing this tactically wrong, or is this unit just underperforming? And I like to use a champ contender model where it's like, this is the best thing I've got. If I find something that's better in there, I'm going to kick it out for the better thing. Right. And so, so how do you, so, okay, so let's, um, there's a lot of really sad Grey Knight players out there. And just, just so you guys know, uh, and ladies, you folks know, Shaylin is, is probably one of the best Grey Knight players that goes to IZ tournaments today. She's a really good Grey Knight player. And, and she loves her Grey Knights. She loves her, her boys in silver. So Shaylin, how do you, (laughs) oh, well, her boys in brown, um, (laughs) Uh, anyways, uh, Shaylin, how do you how do you go about selecting units to complement Grey Knights, and and how do you how do you like first? I guess I guess you know just go go talk over the thought process of building a list with your Grey Knights. I think that's something that a lot right. of people really uh, want to so hear. So the very first thing is I look at the Grey Knight component because in my list I need to have Grey Knights primary. Um, so thankfully they're very expensive elite models. That's not hard to do. Uh, so I sit there, I'm like, okay, what is the best thing I could put in Grey Knights? And right now that is Interceptors, because they can get around the Beta Alpha cycle with their shunting. Um, the strength of Grey Knights is anti-infantry shooting, so I need to have my tank, anti-tank elsewhere, I need to have bodies elsewhere for board control. The cool thing about Interceptors is they're fast, like, really fast, so they also provide that job, and they provide psychic support, so it's it's like, I find the things they don't do, and I find other things to do those things for me. Yeah. If if you are building a list like that, and kind of, um, you know, deciding, I want to play Grey Knights, and so you, you build your Grey Knights army, figuring out what can cover your other bases... I mean, that's really just how any list will be built. It's like when I pick up a Tau list, I, I figure out, like, okay, what am I good at? What am I not good at? How can I cover my weaknesses and how can I enhance my strengths? So, like, when Shaylin and I were working on her Grey Knights list, um, when we moved over to the Interceptors, uh, the, the decision was sort of, okay, so we have this unit that can move really quickly and can get in right up on the enemy at turn one, if I'm going to be putting 700-odd points of my Grey Knights right in front of the enemy's face on turn one, I can't afford to have the other 1,300 points of my list sitting back and dawdling. I need those 1,300 points also on top of the enemy turn one. And our goal with her list was put as many models on top of the enemy as quickly as possible as we could. Um, and that led to taking a bunch of Seraphim, because they have great anti-tank shooting, and they can get the double move with the Act of Faith, and of course you can bring Celestine along, who's also fantastic. Um, it led to bringing Blood Angels for Mephiston and the Smash Captains, uh, because they are also pretty good at breaking tanks, and they're also very, very fast and hard to get rid of. So you get these sort of outfalls of a single decision point, um, you know, I want to bring Grey Knights, therefore I'm using this unit, and if I'm using this unit, it means I need to bring these other similar tools along that will help do the thing I'm doing. Um, and you'll see that in any list. It, like I said, you know, if I'm bringing a Tau list and I'm like, okay, I want to bring a lot of Fire Warriors because they're very good, 
that gives me a lot of anti-infantry shooting. I have, you know, a billion strength five shots. Now how am I going to cover my anti-tank? How am I going to score objectives? How am I going to keep these models alive? How am I going to deal with being assaulted? Um, once you've sort of picked a direction, you need to figure out how you cover up all the other things. Like we had said earlier, you need to score you need to score objectives. You need to control sections of the board. You need to put out offensive firepower. You need to have some kind of resilience. Whenever you're looking at a list, you need to be looking at all those factors and how they all come together in your army and what you can do to make yourself good in each of these arenas, or at the very least, make yourself not bad. Because if that's your, your goal on a take-all-comers list is, I want to be at least okay in all of these areas, then you need to at least find a minimum level of competence. you got to be careful, Sean. I think that was agreeing with Pablo. <laughs> yeah, if if you're bringing bring building a take all covers list, yeah, I mean that's the fundamental idea there, right? Uh, that this is actually a really good segue. Um, you mentioned the durability and survivability of a list, Sean, and I think that's mm -hmm. something that uh, take all covers list or or just a good competitive list wants to do is is uh, survive. Um, and and the reason why I say that is I'm not expecting you to. To build dur to bring durable, tough, expensive things, um, but especially now with in the era of chess clocks, games are especially at see games. Games are just going to start going to turn six. It's just happened. Like it's just a trend now. It's not seventh edition where you can play Battle Company and and play to turn three and win tournaments. But that's just that that era of 40k is gone, long gone. Uh, so you need to build a list that that not only survives to turn six. But can still do stuff turn six. Now, however, however your list can do that, that's up to you to decide. But I, I think that's always something that you should add in as an element to your list or have a thought. Is is that the best lists will always play effectively through six turns. They'll they'll complete a game. They'll finish a game. Um, and, and that's just something I wanted to add in there. Well, and and durability is a lot of people think of. We, we mentioned earlier durability and firepower are kind of being opposite ends of a, of a spectrum, but that's not entirely true because a dead unit can't shoot. So <laughs> durability is in its own way firepower. Um, if, we're, if we're taking my Tau as an example, a Riptide's shooting output is not actually like that crazy high like yeah they're they're pretty good at chewing apart infantry and they can do some damage to vehicles but the big strength of a riptide or the castellan or a lot of these other units like this is that they just don't die they stay in the game and they keep shooting turn after turn after turn and it's firepower per turn Firepower for a turn, like, and and this is sort of the flaw of a unit like the Stern Guard that we we talked about earlier, where it's like per point those Stern Guard hit so much point, those Stern Guard hit so much harder than that wrist absolutely vaporize something. But the problem is you only get one turn of shooting out of them, and then they die. Um, whereas the Riptide is probably gonna get four or five or six turns of shooting in most games. And so your your firepower you have to look at from multiple angles. How long is it going to last? 
What kind of range does it have? That's another thing a lot of people ignore when you're you're putting firepower is like, yeah, this unit can kill anything within 12 inches. What if your enemy is more than 12 inches away? And how fast is it? How fast is it? And even the fastest units, because this has come up in my games with Shaylin a number of times, even a unit that can move 12 or 18 or 24 inches of a turn is sometimes out of range. Um, you do not always have the ability to shoot and hit the targets you want to with short-range guns, no matter how fast you are. Um, there are some units that are long enough range or are fast enough to always hit what they want. Um, something like a Basilisk is always going to be able to hit the target that it wants. Or, you know, a Hemlock Wraithfighter or something else like that. But most units are going to be constrained in what they can shoot at. And this actually comes back around to uh, Pablo's point earlier of the sort of the mathematical guardsmen. The idea that if you take 160 guardsmen, their las guns will be able to kill anything. And the reason that's not true is because you won't always be able to put all your guardsmen onto the targets you want. Uh, way too many of your guardsmen are going to be spread across the field, they can't get within 12 of their target, they're out of range of the orders you want to give them, etc., etc., etc. It's the same reason that the horde of 300 orcs does not just roll over everything in the world. It's because your models take up space on the field and they can't always be where you need them to. Oh, you wait, John. We're coming. <laughs> no, yeah, that is... yeah. It, well, a month from now, when that orc codex finally drops, then I will be glad to see the three hundred orc boys because it give me give my fight teams something to shoot at. <laughs> That's actually the mark of a really good unit in forty k. Um, and uh, if you're if you're listening to this and you've ever wanted to design a game, it can go farther beyond forty k. But uh, a unit that is mobile enough to to remove that limitation, like could you imagine if guardsmen could all deep strike? Then, then all of a sudden, you know, hybrid. realistically. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Elysians and. That's true. And Elysians before they. But before the Elysians <laughs> got nerfed, um, you know, they were you they were ran everywhere for that reason. Uh, but but mobile units that can bring their firepower to bear in in yeah. hordes in multiples um, from different vectors it, attack vectors that's like that's golden. Uh, and that's Mobility actually why things is like incredibly good. Yeah, and, and that's actually another reason why like things like Riptides are really good. Because Riptides mm -hmm. can bring their their full offensive power to bear from any point, or not from any point, but from but from a point you know like practically like on board that other point. Riptides can can hit too. Yeah, exactly. So they're not limited by their by their movement. They're limited by their range, which is farther than a guardsman. So like like five Riptides might not do as much damage as like 160 guardsmen but they will do more damage because 160 guardsmen won't be able to bring all their firepower to bear yeah so, and then just keep that in mind when you're list building as well it's that's very important for a firepower list for a list that yes. plans on winning by killing the enemy that is not as important for something more like one of Steve's lists of like a bunch of Nurgle guys because they're not about their firepower. It doesn't matter that they can't bring all their guys to bear on one unit. You wouldn't even want to. You'd rather just control four different objectives across the board. But a list that plans on winning by killing the enemy needs to make sure that it can focus its guns or its melee or whatever other strategy it uses to kill uh, on targets in an effective fashion. So you need to look at your range bands. You really need to look at 
because, you know, even a firepower list still needs to hold objectives, otherwise you don't win the game. Um, So you need to look at how do I distribute my firepower across a list in such a way that I can shoot at what I need to, but I can also be the places I need to be. Um, Yeah. Because that that can be a, a really big problem if your firepower is very limited in where it can be. Um, you you want to wonder why you don't see the the Cadian Guardsmen list winning tournaments? Well, the reason is because they need to sit still to get their full firepower. And even if you're nine basilisks and one hundred guardsmen and eleven hellhounds and all of that are fantastically efficient by the numbers, they still they still need to be particular places to win you the game or else none of that matters. That's actually, also, that actually brings up... Oh, go ahead, Steve. I'll let I you finish. I was going to say, I think, um, I think when you're looking at durability, like, I, I, I always kind of laugh about this, or at least we talk about it, is it's kind of been a long-standing thing that Eldar are the uh, lethal but fragile army, right? I feel like we've all heard mm-hmm. that. Uh, and yet they have... Probably the most, I, I think it's the, the most durable unit in the game uh, to firepower and the wave serpent. And to the oh my god. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Like every yes. single one of their units with lightning fast reflexes can become yeah. 25 to 33% to more if they're an orc more durable at any point after targeting. Uh, yep. I mean, it's, durability it's comes in a lot of different ways. You have your Nurgle durability, which is just sort of like, I'm T5, I have disgustingly resilient, I just sort of like shrug off hits. You have penalties to hit, you have armor save, you have numbers, which is another way that Nurgle can be really durable. You know, 30 of anything is durable, just period. It doesn't matter if it's toughness too. 30 grots is still durable. Um, so well, that kind of... takes at least 30 bullets to kill. At the bare minimum. It goes to kind of Games Workshop generally not pointing wound values comparison to armor values in a way that makes sense. 90 yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, okay, fair enough. But, um, so like if we're coming back to, you know, general, like, what does it take all comers list? Is it, is it something you even want? I think I'm still tend leaning towards take what you think is going to most likely win the tournament. And that's well, if your goal is to win the tournament, not everyone's goal is to win the tournament. Yeah, sure. But you need to know what your goal is. So That's, I think, the fundamental part. Sorry, you can't have a conversation if you're going to change the goal in two seconds on the show. I'm not changing the goal. I said this at the very top of the episode. So if your goal, and, and I think that's something that's important to say, though, right? I think, I think the, like you said, there's a lot of people that they do have different goals. And... Mm-hmm. A take-all-comers list is oftentimes not the list you want if you want to win. Yes. Uh, yeah. I agree. Well, um, I mean... You'll have a lot more slight losses. I know. I brought a take-all-comers list to ATC and EDC and went like 4-11. and 11. <laughs> like, just... that's, a, that's a team tournament. So we're talking about singles <laughs> tournaments specifically, but I do get your point. I do get your point. You lose a lot if you're taking a, a take-all-comers list. Well, yeah. You yeah. lose I, a lot more. I think you're conf- I think you're conflating take all comers with several other concepts um, because a, t- a take all comers list can be strong or weak. Again, the Castellan list is a take all comers list. It also sure. has a favorable matchup against 
almost every army on the field these days. But it is still a take-all-comers list because it does not sacrifice any particular matchup to improve other matchups. It has a, you know, all of its matchups are 60 or 65%. Yeah, except possibly the mirror match. Well, you know, the mirror match is 50% unless you're doing it wrong. Which is like um, what I said. I said, if, you know, if, there's, if there is a true take-all-comers list, it's it's really bad for the meta. Well, okay, but that's not what take-all-comers means. Take-all-comers right. does not mean it has a favorable matchup against everything. It means it does not sacrifice. A matchup, um, an army that has a 20% matchup against everything on the field is a take-all-comers list. It's just a bad one. Okay, okay. So, so, so we're, we're, we're arguing, we're getting back to the semantics thing again. So, so I want to, I want to bring up another point. There's actually three things I want to bring up. I want to bring up another point about a specific kind of list that you guys can build that I want to make you guys aware of. Um, and then I kind of want to go back to what Steve said about the bringing net lists. And, and cause I think that's a very valid way to win a tournament. And I think a lot of people want to hear that too. And then Steve said, mentioned something that unfortunately, um, you know, the, the conversation is really engaging to segue perfectly into the second part of the episode. Um, which is to talk about the meta and, and building for the meta. So real quick, a take all comers list. Another one that you guys could probably highlight, and and another one that that Reese specifically more recently ran at Nova twenty eighteen is a list designed to offensively take out specific aspects of other people's lists. So in Reese's case, he was targeting the Knight Castellan list specifically, and he was designing his list to take out all the guardsmen. That was, just, that was his whole goal was to kill all the guardsmen and leave the Castellan with no ability to score. Uh, now whether he accomplished that or not. That's up for debate. That's not something I'm I'm willing to debate right now. The point is, is that's what he designed his list to do. Uh, so that's what you guys can do as well. So if you guys are concerned with, like, let's say uh, you know you know you can't beat knights, or you know you can't beat unit X, is it because of because of what Y reason? Uh, well, then then focus on other. Uh, well, then then focus on other aspects. If you really want to kill other aspects of your codex or your army or your tools that you have access to, and beat the things that you know people are going to bring. You know people are always going to bring OPSEC troops of some kind. Minimum OPSEC troops. Rangers, scouts, infantry squads, whatever. You name it. Every codex has them. Even custodian guard. You know, even though custodian guard are like the best of all the cheap, sacrificial OPSEC units that just kind of chill there. The point is that you know your people are always going to bring that. Uh, and then from there, kind of just look at what, what your local meta is, what the tournament meta looks like. Um, and then look at kind of like common themes that people are bringing. Uh, in 8th edition right now, as it stands, people are bringing a lot of hordes. Hordes are very popular. Uh, but, you know, last year it was all about character spam and flyer spam. That was a very, very common thing. So you, you can always design your list to kill certain things really well. And then and then from there, just focus on, on dealing with the other things that you can't kill. And then just focus on outplaying them and, and, and beating them that way. That's, a, that's another very common list archetype that people can run. Now, onto onto what Steve said. If you are one of those people who wants to build tournament lists, first off, I'm not, I'm not shaming you. I know I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I know it sounded kind of like I was, but it was more joking than serious because that's kind of what the the 40k community adopts online is that that kind of like list net list shaming mentality. Um, though I think that that's that's a little uh, um, witch hunty. Um, th there's definitely validity to net listing, and I feel like. 
the more competitive 40k grows, the more net listing we're going to get. And that's just a part of competitive gaming. And that's fine. I accept it. And I think you guys should too. So if you are going to run the, the trendy list because you want your best chance to win, that's fine. I do want to caution you though. Uh, there's always there's always going to be people who run your list as well, especially if, if you're bringing that list. And there's always going to be people gunning for your list. So if you're running the Knight Castellan list, uh, you know, expect people to be bringing stuff counters to your list. Um, so you might want to mix it up a little bit. And this is where building like like a take all comers list or learning a lot of these key tips in this episode that you got from this episode comes in handy, right? So if you're running the Knight Castellan list, for example, which is the we keep bringing it up because it's the most fresh in our minds. But if you're listening to a year this year from now, um, or in the past, you know, I'm not going to judge. You could you could come from the past. Uh, look at the net list, the medal list now. And then look at we some of the best players. The all orcs. Pablo, yeah, we're, <laughs> all we're all from orcs. the past. All orcs in the so in the future. All orcs in the future. You, you see, you see all those orc horde spam lists spamming the twenty mega knobs. Everyone's going to be running those, so you should be the orc player that brings a ton of of ludas. Maybe ludas are really good at killing mega knobs in the future. I don't know. The point is, is that if you're going to bring the net list, you should you shouldn't sell yourself to the idea of what the net list does. Or you should sell yourself to the idea of what the netlist brings, but don't copy it tit for tat. You know, like mix it up a little. You you, you always want to be flexible, and you never want to be rigid with your list building if you're going to go the netlisting route. It's very well, important. The hard thing about that is, and like that's actually that is good advice. Um, the smart thing to do is to counter the meta and bring the strongest list you can, which may be the netlist. The problem is that relies on necessarily understanding not only your net list, but also what the meta is going to be better than the guy who designed the list. Which, I mean, if you can do that, absolutely, yeah, do that, but that's a hard thing to do. Perfect segue, Sean. Beautiful. Mwah. Couldn't have done it better. Let's talk about meta analysis uh, and and oh, specifically geez. where you guys can get your meta analysis for building your list because that's wait, also another very this. very important thing. Hold on Steve, we're going to go to commercial break oh. real quick and then we're going to come right back. Hello everyone. PD Pop here to Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about the po- the sponsors right now. Uh sorry guys, my my daughter Arbella wanted to help me with this commercial. No, it's not your commercial. It's our commercial. You know what, kid? You're right. It's your commercial. But is it okay if I talk about our sponsors? And then you can nod your head if I sound good. Okay? Okay. So I'm here to talk about our sponsors, Frontline Gaming and and Broken Egg Games. Frontline Gaming, of course, is uh, the eternal sponsor of Chapter Tactics, where you can find all things 40k, including FLG mats, ITC terrain, secondhand shop service, painting commissions, and so much more. Also, Broken Egg Games, if you're looking for 40k templates to help your tournament needs, along with terrain, uh, templates for other games, and other odd trinkets and tokens, including wound counters, etc. Everything you need to up your game to the next level. All you need to do is click on the link on frontlinegaming.org in any of the show notes and you're it, that helps out the podcast and that's it thanks very much for listening arbella how did i do she shook her head i guess i better quit podcasting forever anyways thanks very much for listening and hope you enjoy the rest of the episode and we're back all right steve 
I know it kept you waiting for years, but we're back. We're in so the future. The What's the 2019 meta look like now? Well, first, you have to go and get your BCP app subscription. <laughs> we were going with this, but uh, I guess you want to actually talk about Warhammer or something. So. Uh, yeah, it. It's. I mean, I know we're not like sponsored by them or anything, but honestly, guys, if if you're listening to this, BCP is your number one tool for analyzing the meta. Guys you... or girls got one on the and girls. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah, it. You need information if you're going to pick apart the meta and understand what it is that is out there and what you're likely to face. And yeah, you can go to your local tournaments and you can go to your regional tournaments and see what's happening there, but that's not enough. And neither is reading whatever article is on Bell of Lost Souls or whoever has made a, a screaming panic post on DACA DACA or whatever. You need actual reliable data. Um, we've had more than a couple of episodes about that here on Chapter Tactics itself. No. And the reason we're all kind of obsessed with data is because data is how you figure out what you need to bring to the tournament. Um, and BCP gives you that, amongst other things. You can look now, at the very specific Kato lists. And Dekadeka are a great source of data for what bad players will bring to tournaments. And yeah, but but my my mantra has always been: don't build to beat bad players. You, if you are a good player, you will beat the bad players, even if they bring a scary net list or something weird that you weren't expecting, because they're bad players. Your, your skill will win out over theirs, even if their list on the surface should maybe beat yours. Like, they'll make deployment errors and they'll leave their Knight Castellan exactly where I can just double move a Blood Angels Captain up and kill it. Absolutely. Uh bad oh, players <laughs> yeah it's that's you bad, you will beat bad players regardless of the army they bring if you are good uh so build to beat good players don't assume your opponent will make mistakes uh because that like good players are not going to just kind of roll over for you and give you easy weaknesses to take advantage of uh and that mean that 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 is true both in the sort of um the very general sense of like the play game playing part of the game, but also in the list building sense is like, if you assume your opponent won't understand whatever gimmick it is, your list does and just like, ah, ha ha, I'll catch them off guard with this. You're going to get wrecked the first time you come up against, you know, someone who's top 10 or top 50 in the ITC. And they take one look at list at your look at your list and say like, Oh yeah, you're using the plus one invuln to get up a two up here. Right. And sort of like, uh, yeah, you know what that stratagem does? Yeah, I've played this before. Uh, it's, I, I think actually the biggest jump that I made in as far as knowing what the quote unquote meta is has just been playing at tournaments and being friendly. Uh, you know, sure. Because of meeting that. people. Yeah, you meet people and you can talk to them and like. I was going to go to a tournament, and I was like, well, it's probably one of these three people that are going to be top five, and mm -hmm. uh, with all of them, and they told me what they're running. So, yeah. you know, and you know, and there's a bit back and forth. It's a, it's a little bit of a hostage exchange uh, as far as <laughs> back and forth. And, but, 
And there are some people who try to be really secretive about their their very fancy and important list. Don't bother. If you do even reasonably well at one tournament, everyone is going to know what your list is. And you are probably not, like Pablo said earlier, you're probably not the only person who's come up with that list. Someone else has probably thought of it as well. Yeah. Uh, an- another also, thing... Also, if you oh, can oh, arrange uh, in and around tournaments is... Uh, there's a lot of people who go out drinking after tournaments. Find yeah. where the good players are, try to go drinking with them. Yeah. Hang out with them, go get a drink, grab a bite of food, have some fun, talk with them. I mean, you'll like talking about 40k anyways, so hang out yeah. and talk about 40k with some good people. Yeah, and it, it, like uh, the price of three beers is probably, the, the amount of knowledge you're going to get out of it is ex- exponential. Yeah. Sorry, are you going to say, Steve? Oh, um, beat those early players, and then you'll play the good players in the later rounds, and mm-hmm. you're from there. That's pretty much, I didn't get to talk to any of the good players, partially because I don't drink. Maybe that was part of it. Uh, uh, I yeah, you don't have to. Tournaments and doing better and playing them in the final rounds and losing naturally, but at least I was playing. Yeah. Uh, another um, suggestion, um, uh, real quick, uh, is is listen to podcasts that that talk a lot of tournament coverage. So it's not don't just mm-hmm. necessarily listen to chapter tactics. Although I would love it if you did. Uh, there are a lot of forty po- k podcasts out there that not only cover tournaments. There are a lot of forty k podcasts that have home tournaments. You know, yeah. th- those are actually the best episodes to listen to. There's like, you know, there's like the random podcast that where they go to a tournament and then the podcasters come back and then all they do for the entire episode is they talk about their experience at this tournament that's local to them. Every podcast has at least like one of those. Chapter Tactics has like four. <laughs> um, but but uh, so do that. Like listen to those specific. So if you ever if you, if you have a, an archive of 40K podcasts, I- I'd suggest going on there's actually uh adam solis from from uh tfg general or tfg radio um he actually puts up an article on bulls every week where he mentions the best the podcast the 40k podcasts and what what they published each week uh, i would go on there there's a good start and then just go into through those 40k podcasts and start looking for the our our take or our experience at the bao or our our take on the blah 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 or our you know whatever they're usually pretty obviously titled, and they're usually really good, pretty obviously titled, and they're usually really good episodes for learning specifically, mm-hmm. right? So, so if, if you want to know what's going traveling. on, yeah, exactly. So if you know if you want to know what's going on, like in Atlanta, what you're going to see in Atlanta, I would listen to like the best generals or facing the great tide. Or if you want to know what's going on in SoCal, I would listen to chapter tactics and signals from the front line, uh, or or you know on and on. Uh, the point is, is, is podcasts are a really good way to to figure out what's going on in other parts of the world in 40k uh and and that's a good you know meta analysis as well and i think you guys hit the nail on the head when you when you you play you don't play you don't plan to play bad players you definitely plan to play like the best players uh and i think that's where these skills come in handy is if you if, if you're not a good player yet if you're not confident that you can beat bad players that's okay you're still learning you're still learning how to build your list building a good solid take all comers list or bringing a good solid net list that has a high win ratio is a great start because you because you're giving yourself that that constant 50 to 60 percent or that win percentage chance to beat anyone and as long as you have that chance well i'm I'm not i'm not saying i'm not saying there's anything wrong with either of those things no, I, I just think that there is there is a stigma around it, and I want to agree with you and encourage that the stigma of netlisting 
Yeah. Well, and, also, and if you play the netlist, you'll learn how the netlist works, which exactly. is also valuable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a reason netlists are as popular as they are. It's because they work and they're good. They're also, some armies are fun. that have been sure. Huh. Um, but like when you get down to it, I mean, we're talking competitive play here. People want armies that are strong, that will give them an advantage over weaker armies. And the reason netlists are called netlists is because, you know, they get disseminated to many different players because they win tournaments. They do well and they're popular. Um, that doesn't mean they're the only lists that work, but they are these prototypical kind of like armies that do better than most other armies for a reason. Yes. Uh, so give yourself that chance to win. Do yourself a favor. Listen to more episodes of Chapter Tactics where we talk about making your game better, upping your game, upping, uh, you know, situations, your knowledge, all aspects of 40k gaming competitiveness. Uh, and and give yourself that chance to win and be any player, so that when you get to you know you, you go three and zero day one, you win your your first game two day two game, and all of a sudden you're playing against like Jeff Poole, Nick Nanavati, Steve Pampreen, maybe Sean, could be <laughs> could be, Shaylin, Shaylin, if I play Sh- Sean, I don't win the tournament ever. <laughs> well, well, the the thing is, this Shaylin, Shaylin, and Shaylin, I think Shaylin, Sean, and I are all actually at this point where we're where we're consistently going like four and zero, oh, and we we do really well and we hit I'm that not going plateau. 4-0, Pablo. You know what, Shaylin? Yeah, you are. Be quiet. You're you're doing well. You're doing. I've never done that. Oh, shut you, up. <laughs> you've done four and one, haven't you? Uh, yeah. my first T shift where they made a patch up mistake. Oh well, I you went, most recent one you did as well. I, I feel I feel like Shaylin is selling herself a Anyways. little short here. She's she's also been writing a Grey Knight handicap this whole Seriously. edition. Yeah, for so three far. full editions. So, <laughs> but but I I would just like to go on the record and say that that Shaylin is um one of the best female 40k players for a reason. She is up there in the ITC and she's also ranked one of the ranked Grey Knight players. So, you know, just take that with a grain of salt. But um, or take that how you will. I mean, I'm sorry. Can but we, um, can we step back and talk about uh, BCP and how to actually use that a little bit? Sure, uh, because we can that's do that. I think that's not something that is necessarily obvious. Because if you just pop open the BCP app and kind of stare at it for a little while, it's not going to do anything for you. Um, okay. The the so the the way I typically use BCP, and this may be different for some of you. Um, every couple of weeks or so i will go in and pop open the search function when i have a fair a decent amount of time and i will just search for all tournaments that have happened under the 40k system because obviously i don't care about magic tournaments and x-wing tournaments and all that sort of thing and i'll pop it open and just start looking through tournaments um because at this point, a lot of people with their BCP tournaments will submit lists, and I'll just go in and look at the rankings and see who placed, you know, top 8, top 10, top 20, depending on how big the tournament is. Um, yeah. You're usually looking for players who have had either 1 or 0 losses, so your 3 and O's, your 4 and 1s, your 5 and O's, this sort of thing. Um and just go through and look at those lists. And a lot of them are going to look kind of the same, because again, like, there's some lists are just stronger than others, and they show up pretty consistently. But, um... 
they uh, you're going to get a better feel. Don't just look at the list that won the tournament. That is not good info right there, because the list that actually won is comes down to a ton of factors. The person piloting it, how, what their matchups were, what their luck was like, etc. Um, but if you look at the top 10% of the lists, the top 8 to 10 of them, um, maybe even the top 20 or 30 if it's a really big tournament like you're an LVO or Adepticon or something like that, um, those are the lists that do well. And understanding why they do well and what kind of components, because even if the lists aren't all exactly the same, they'll often still have the same kind of components in them. You'll see this Blood Angels detachment that is used again and again. You'll see the Tesseract Vaults in a, a Necron list. You'll see the Guard detachment. You see Strike Teams and Riptides. You see Weird Boys and Storm Boys and Mech Guns. It's like you see these same components in many lists, even if the lists themselves are not identical. And getting a feel for what these do. And then using BCP as a resource, now that you've seen what the list is, if you don't understand it, because you probably don't the first time you've looked at a list, then going through and looking online, it's like, okay, why did this orc player bring bubble chuckas over other stuff? What the hell is a bubble chucka? What does it even do? And then going back and looking like, oh, that's what its stat line is. That's how he's using it. Um, you'll often be able to find the tournament reports by these people if you do a bit of poking around. Um, so using BCP as a resource to leverage to other stuff. BCP will give you the list, but it won't tell you why they do what they do. You need to look at blogs and forums and stuff like that to find that information. Yeah, and and to expand on this a little further, further Sean, because I think this is a really great idea. Um, let me just tell you guys how I how I go through lists, and um, I, I just like to say that I. Uh, you know, I have been podcasting for, for about two years now. I have I have um, 80 plus episodes. If you're listening in the future, I've, hopefully I've already hit my 100th episode. And and one thing that's always been consistent on Chapter Tactics is looking up lists and analyzing lists on BCP. <clears throat> it's not something we're going to do this week, uh, though I would like to give a shout out to Battlezone Ursa in Anchorage, Alaska. They hit 42 players, and I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's Alaska and they have a very small meta, so that's like a big deal to them. So just shout out to them. It's really cool. Plus, like, three of their players were eaten by polar bears in the way. Something so, like that. You know, yeah. One got trampled by a moose, which don't exist, by the way. When I was in Alaska, I didn't see a single one, so moose are still a myth. Moose are free <laughs> and invisible. Exactly. But um, what what I do when I want to look at lists and I want to analyze the meta and break down with, you know, with those stats that you guys love in those episodes is I'll actually go through BCP on, on the website, BC, bestcoastpairings.com. Because I, I just find the search engine a little easier to work with because you're online, you're on a computer, you can open up Facebook in one tab and, and look up like the name of the TO or the name of the event or, or other things to specifically to look for. And then you're on the BCP app and you start searching through all those events and you can just tab, you know, events that look like they could be good events, like with multiple people, you just tab all those. And then when you're done tabbing through the events of the week or whatever, you you start sifting through each of the events counting the number of players, looking for the factions you want, for whatever reason, uh, exit off the ones you don't want, and then when you're done, because you can't look at the, the lists online uh, on your computer, you can only look at them through the mobile app, then you search each of those individual events in your mobile app, and you look through the lists that way. 
And so it, it, it's just the computer kind of like organizes everything for me. It gives me all the tournaments. That way, the app's a little unwieldy right now when it comes to that. So you can only have one tournament up at a time. And then you have to like all back all the way up to the search function, which can be like a little laggy or a little unwieldy sometimes. Um, so if, yeah, if, it can. Yeah. So if you if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. use Android as well. So Unfortunately, Shayla knows what I mean. Um, I, but, I have gotten the weirdest Android errors with BCP app. So if you want to have the best BCP experience, you probably want an Apple product. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Now, uh, now. Yeah. Shout, <laughs> shout out to Paul and the guys. Please make the Android version better. Android is way more common than Apple. I get that you guys are Apple guys, but way more people use Android. So West now, Coast. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I think everywhere in Silicon general, Valley. But... There are one really crappy iPad in my ma- local meta that I have to use to run tournaments off of. It's kind of a disgrace. But yeah. but Anyways. but the BCP guys, if you guys wanna, if you guys want to have your own, if you guys have any of your thoughts and feedbacks, I would just emailing them support at bestcoastpairings dot com. It's by far the best way to reach them. Not on a podcast, but <laughs> uh, all, all that aside, um. There are limitations that that I need to kind of overcome being a podcaster and having to deal with like five or six tournaments in an episode sometimes. Um, so I would suggest that just just uh, sit down, you know, get a system that you're comfortable with. If you're a notepad and pen kind of guy, do that. Uh, I'm a computer to app kind of guy. Uh, it doesn't matter. Get a system and then, like Sean said, just look through those lists. Just just take the time to look through all those lists. You will see the silliest stuff. Like you'll actually see what the the actual meta is and and this is a segue into my final thoughts on this particular issue isn't that that's that the meta the the meta no matter what the universal meta is always going to be casuals with random stuff and and bad space marine lists because always 80 percent of the armies at a tournament are going to be weirdo nonsense that you are not expecting it's stuff you've probably never heard of it's players you don't know it's lists that you have no idea what the guy was thinking. That's 80% of the players right there. And you and know what? You, if, if you are a middle table player or even a bottom table player, that's where you spend most of your games playing. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be ready to try and play and beat the good list because they're absolutely out there. Um, but the reality of it is 80% of the armies are these... It's a little dismissive to call them nonsense, but they're they're these bizarre things that someone has put together because they like a model, or because they don't really understand the game and they haven't played very much yet, or because they don't care how good well they do and they just want to bring something. Right. It's it's all of this stuff. Now that top twenty percent, that is what you're worried about. Yeah, those so, are where the net lists are going to be, and that's where the really good players bringing bizarre lists are going to be. And and that's that's actually why it's important. And that, that, that's actually the reason for this entire episode. So to tie everything down into a nice, pretty little bow, uh, the reason why I take all comers list, whether it's a net list or a traditional take all comers list or any of the other list archetypes we talked about, the reason why these kind of lists are very important is because when you're going into these matchups and you already have a 50 or 60% win percentage or win chance, or you have the ability to interact with the list and beat it because you've designed a well thought out list, when they are a worse player than you, and if you're already a good player and you listen to chapter tactics and you've played a lot of reps with your list, the chances of you winning go a lot higher. And 
the chances of you going to four and zero and or and playing a guy like Steve or playing a guy like Nick Nadavati or Sean Naden, whoever go a lot higher and then that gets you practice and reps against those guys so the next time when you go to a big event like the LVO you're ready to play those guys right mm-hmm. and so you always want to get to that point that's what you want to get to that's the goal is is getting past those the the casual meta or the the random meta and if you have a list that is unoptimized or a list that has glaring weaknesses like maybe your list just absolutely loses to close combat assault terminators like it's just you know you <laughs> You brought a bunch of guardsmen or scabathrax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's actually scabathrax a few weeks ago. (laughs) Wow. It's like really, what what does this guy even do? Oh, minus three to hit in close combat. That's really Uh yeah. I I saw custodes. I saw custodes list like a really not good custodes list. uh, Take down a plague bearer spam list down here. And Hmm. the the plague bearer spam, who's actually a really good player, is a chaos really good chaos player down here. He was like, I have no idea what this guy is doing the custodian player is like oh yeah you know our lord and commander gilliman is going to be so pleased with my performance today ha 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 and today ha 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 and... it's always terrifying that was good to get like another really good player in the first round because you're like all right at least i'm gonna play like a list that i know and it's gonna be a good list and i prepared for it and not the right. first round of like what are you playing oh well i just threw something together nine dreadnoughts no, like, yeah. but is that even probably will be? But there's gonna the be the best part is if they're all nine gray knight dreadnoughts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which that's never happened. That guy in our local meta who <laughs> randomly won a tournament and then went zero and three for the rest of the time. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> well, and and this is also why I think it's really important to to look at the lists and especially to look at that top ten or top twenty lists because it gives you a better feel for what can do at least all right out there the more you know about the armies that are out there even the armies that are maybe not great but are at least okay the better off you're gonna be uh, because yeah. like when Pablo was talking about you know you should be opening up a couple tabs and looking through these armies you should probably also be opening up a couple codexes or pdfs Ooh. depending on your preference of media um because like Chances are you don't know what most of those units do or what most of their stratagems are, so you should probably do some research there. And if all of this sounds like you're getting a second job for no pay, you that's are. what it is. Yeah, yep. that's that's the life we've chosen to live. But hopefully you enjoy that sort of thing. Hopefully if you're playing this game and you're listening to this, you're the kind of person who does enjoy doing research and learning things and trying to master a skill, because that's what it's all about. Uh, yeah. Can I cut in for just a moment on you, Of Sean? course. Absolutely. Um, so, one of the things I was going to point out is, also, don't do it alone. Sean and I oh, talk God, about no. shit all the time. Yeah. Um, that's why people think we date. We should, we should uh, put a cap on all of this right here. This is not something you can do effectively by yourself. And the most the most important thing you can have is not BCP. It is not an internet connection to go look at whatever's on Facebook or DAC or any of that. It's not a huge collection of codexes to draw off of. The most important thing you can have if you're trying to get better and trying to improve yourself and trying to write good lists is a group of friends who are also doing the same. 
And whether those friends are Facebook friends that you talk to and share lists with all the time, whether you're on uh, Discord for one of the podcasts, a lot of them have a Patreon-only Discord for talking with other people who listen to things. Um, there's lots of ways you can do it. Maybe you just have, you're in a big enough city that you have a whole bunch of friends you can talk to. Or maybe you just are lucky like I am and, you know, have someone you can travel to tournaments with that also wants to, you know, pra play practice games and all this sort of thing all the time. But you need other people's voices and other people's thoughts to help throw all your stuff out and try and figure out what's good and what isn't, because that is super critical. All right, Steve, any last thoughts? Uh, yeah, I agree with all that. And uh, definitely it helps to have a group. And I think something that is definitely struggles is it has to go both ways. Um, so oh, yeah. yeah. I get a lot of requests. Like any relationship. Just send lists, and I'm like, dude, I'm over it. Like, <laughs> I've commented on several lists already. Like, go get some games in and then come back and we'll talk. And for me, I'm yeah. someone who I will obsessively go over a list for, like, three weeks, two weeks, and then I'll just play that list, and I'm done talking about lists, and like, it'll just be situations. Uh, mm -hmm. so, uh I'm, uh, I was also going to throw constant. out. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I was also going to throw out with, with the list building process is play a few practice games, proxy if you have to, bring it to an RTT where you're running up against things that are outside of your regular sphere of influence. Um, especially if you can go to an RTT like a town or two over, and then that's when you're refining that process so you can have a refined list by the time you're hitting the grand Germans and majors. Yes. It's a critical part of this process we haven't even spoken about is refining. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, that's that's actually all that stuff is like a whole. I feel like we need like several episodes for every episode of Chapter Tactics. That's, that's <laughs> how it feels. It's a never ending cycle. But that's why this is a weekly podcast where you guys can tune in every Tuesday morning. We actually record Monday nights. It, gets, it goes up on Monday at midnight. Uh, but you guys get it Tuesday morning uh, and you can listen to all things 40K. We talk tournaments. In this instance, for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about the different phases of the game and how you guys can excel at them. If you're one of those people who who doesn't have people around, maybe you don't have competitive players in your area or your your local store, which is a, a very common comment I get via email, uh, or you're looking to up your game, working on a list idea, have a rules question, any of that stuff, you can always email me, frontlinegamingpdpab at gmail.com. That's frontlinegamingpetypab at gmail.com. I get emails constantly. Unlike Steve, I answer all the list questions with <laughs> with no with no expectations of 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 getting any help in response. It is with me it is purely a one sided relationship where you You're can ask me things. <laughs> it's it's just, you know, when I first started playing this game, I always found it really hard to A uh, get good tournament coverage and get good meta analysis, meta coverage, because there was nothing when I started back in the like the tail end of sixth edition. There was nothing but frontline gaming. Frontline gaming kind of did it. Uh, there was nothing at all, and I was I was very very frustrated because I came from a place of of like like Magic where where there were pro tours and and people analysis or like the NFL. Right, I was big in the NFL back then. Um, so I was very frustrated with that. So I kind of joined frontline gaming, and now I created this podcast where I specialize in the things that. I wanted when I first started playing and I get people constantly telling me like, thank you for, for this podcast. Thank you. You're, you're telling me exactly what I need to know. Uh, specifically people from, 
in isolated parts of the world, uh, whether you're serving your country, serving our country, which, by the way, thank you very much for your service, uh, or you're, you've moved because of a job or for whatever reason, there are a lot of players that want to play competitive 40K. They want to go to the LVO. They want to play a, a game, a competitive game. They don't just want a hobby. They don't just want to paint models, uh, though they do want to do that too, uh, but they just can't. So you can always email me if you have any questions, if you want to know if there's any tournaments in your area, if you have any list questions, or if you just want to talk. Uh, I am here for you. Just email me. And that's what Chapter Tactics is all about. All right, guys. That's going to be the episode. Next week, we're going to have the movement phase with Brandon Grant and Michael Snyder, two guys, two members of Relentless D, a team that I am on. Uh, Brandon Grant is one of the best players so far in the United States. Uh, this year, he's a phenomenal player. He's really, really meticulous, so the movement phase is perfect for him. And Michael Snyder is kind of like, uh, I don't want to call Michael Snyder's understudy, I just want to call him his partner in crime. Uh, Michael Snyder and Brandon Grant are two of the smartest 40k players that I've ever had the pleasure of playing with consistently. Uh, they were local to me, though they were local to me when I first started playing 40k, uh, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy that episode. One final thing. If you guys have anyone you want to listen to for the shooting phase or the psychic phase or any of the other phases or concepts that we talk about on the show, email me. Let me know if you want someone on or if you have if you want to be on. I, I'm going to kind of leave this to be a little more open. I'm, I'm obviously going to look for people who with, with tournament knowledge and tournament coverage, but I'm also going to look for people with opinions and, and who want to have a conversation. So if you guys have any, if you guys have any shout outs, if you guys want me to bring anyone on the episode, I, I have a pretty good reach. I can I can pretty much reach out to anyone. I don't know if I can guarantee them to come on the episode, but I've had all sorts of juggernaut, 40k juggernauts on the episode. I've had Matt from Mini Wargaming. I've had Reese and Frankie on. I've had Sean Naden on. I've had Nick Nanavati, Matt Root, all people who've won the ITC or won the LVO. Uh, I've had a variety of really, really good players and really good 40k minds on this episode or on this on this podcast. So I can bring any of them on to talk about this. This is uh, a series that hopefully we will listen to for years and years to come uh, in 8th edition. And that's it. Thank you guys. You guys are the best listeners ever. Have a good one.